What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 172 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. This week, we're breaking down turkeys and specifically decoys and decoy spreads and how we change them throughout the year. So this is going to be a fun episode. Tom and I really dive into how our setups for turkey decoys change throughout the year and how ours are even different just between the two of us. And they work for both of us, so I guess take that with what you want. Um, it, it, it was a lot of fun to talk about it and kind of get some differing opinions on our setups and kind of hopefully maybe get some new ideas for this year. Um, speaking of new, uh, we still have our merch up for sale right now. So if you guys want to head on over to um, our Instagram, it's in our bio. You can check it out there. We've got tons of new designs. We got shirts, we got hats, we got long sleeves. Um, so yeah, check that out. We'd love it. Um, but without further ado, let's get tuned in to this week's episode. So I did the cardinal sin. I pull up my bow and then I look dead at his antlers. I got out of the truck and when I slammed the door, I heard gobbles all around me. Alaska moose spot and sock. That is the bucket list. I agree. What's up, everybody? Loving that new intro. Good stuff. Sounding good. Yeah, dig it. Um, we'll just get right into it, since Nick handled all the announcements and everything in the intro. So Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you're a great guy, Nick. We appreciate you. So this week, uh, like Frank said, we covered it already. Yeah, but I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom. Tom, glad to have you in the studio. Glad to be here. <laughs> this is like kind of we rent the studio from you in a way. So yeah. it's kind of like we've just figured you're just here, you know. Yeah, it is it's my place. So yeah, if you miss an episode, it's pretty bad. Yeah, at this point. So if we're if there's an episode happening, just assume Tom's in the room. I'm not the intro gonna... anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The man that needs no introduction. Yeah. Tom Soaps, how you doing? Good, good. Glad to be in the studio. Thanks for having me. Of course, uh, and it's a good thing we have you, Tom, because today, like Frank said, we're going to be covering. Uh, turkey decoys and specifically like the layouts um like different spreads of decoys and how it changes throughout the year uh for me personally it doesn't change throughout the day but you know i don't know how tom uses decoys um but specifically just you know as you progress through the year the area you're hunting um can differ how you want to set up your decoys and even the style of your hunting um the way that decoys are facing um and just overall spread so i just wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit because i've had a lot of good encounters and success with decoys and i personally believe it's because of the way i set them up and not just willy-nilly like i used to Mm -hmm. so without further ado i guess i'll just jump in early season and then we'll just kind of work around the table as we progress through the season Uh, for opening weekend and usually like that first week of may that's kind of when 
at least in our area now, it's going to change depending on where you're at. So I guess move it depending on your time of year. But the opening week for us is kind of like at the end of the peak for breeding is what I see anyway. Um, I don't hardly ever see birds actively mating during the season. It seems like it's always that week leading up to it and later in the days. Um, But like that sunrise to noon, first week of May, I don't typically see any like mounting out in the fields. Now I get them very interested with hens and stuff, but it doesn't seem like it's as wild at that time. Um, so the reason I, I bring that up is because it, I use that information to decide what set of decoys I want to use for the hunt. And for me, especially early in the morning, it doesn't really change throughout the day because I'm not going to bring some decoys and then go back and get them later. So like what I'm going to do in the morning is how I'm going to run it all day. So early season, first week, I use one full strut decoy, one gobbler uh, for a couple reasons. Jake or long beard? Uh, it happens to be a, a short beard, full fan. So I kind of look at it as like, you know, he's more party in the front, business in the back. So uh, take that for what you want. He has no spurs because he doesn't have legs. But it, I, don't, I don't know how much that really – I personally have not seen a difference in like – because I've used Jake fans. I've used full fans. I've used fakes. I've used reels. Mm-hmm doesn't seem to make much of a difference to me. I think Turkey's eyesight are really good, but they're also stupid. I think yeah. like, cause I've seen plenty of people in, including myself, kill turkeys over foam decoys that look nothing like an actual Turkey. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, well, and we talked about like reaping a couple weeks ago and yeah. if they're dumb enough to let you crawl up to them with just a fan. Yes. Now I will say I have seen way more consistent success and more aggressive um, reactions to a, he- a high quality decoy without mm-hmm. a doubt. Um, have I killed over, <clears throat> over cheap ones? Absolutely. But in order to get that, they come in a little bit more wary to a yes. cheap decoy. When they when come you, screaming, gobbling their heads off. When you watch Turkey hunting on the outdoor channel and you see them birds just sprinting across the field, beard swinging, you know, like this little velociraptor running in, that's the reaction I get with high quality decoys. I never once had that with old ones. But anyway, like I said, early season, I use one gobbler decoy full strut and for a few reasons. First one is I don't like carrying a lot of decoys. I am a very aggressive turkey hunter, so I don't like to sit in the same spot for more than 30 to 45 minutes. And I know Tom likes to sit longer than that. I know my grandpa likes to sit longer than that, but I just hate waiting on turkeys. If if I'm sitting somewhere a bird's gobbling 200 yards away. I am not going to wait for him to come 200 yards. I'm going to cut the distance and then sit back down. Um, so a lot of it is just not wanting to carry a bunch of decoys. But that early season, I've found that the birds are still aggressive because they are still towards that tail end of like the peak of the breeding. Like there's still a lot of dominant birds fighting for dominance, I guess. And when I'm calling as a hen you know, that's because that's what I'm doing. I don't ever use a gobble tube. I don't even own one. So the only calling I ever do is a hen. And when I'm calling as the hen, gobbler's responding, he's coming in. He can hear that there's supposed to be a hen somewhere, but then all of a sudden he sees a full strut gobbler standing there and birds are extremely territorial. So if he's coming in, 
he, his mind quickly gets taken off the idea that there's a hen there. And this is just my opinion, my experience, but it seems like they forget about the hen mm -hmm. and they are just pissed that there's a gobbler over here now. And I will completely quit calling and just let that bird basically come in on his own to the decoy because he's, he cannot, for whatever reason, they just cannot stand to see a, a bird in full strut where they th were anticipating going. And it's worked flawlessly for me. Um, so I just, that's my, my key early season is just one full strut decoy. And it seems to distract the bird away from me, away from my calling, because I'm not the best caller. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have the cadence down, but I am just, I'm not super talented. I, I, I can produce sounds that sound like a turkey, but I'm no Preston Pittman or, you know, anything like that. No Tom Sobolewski. No, I guess not. <laughs> so if I can get the attention off of me, it's just so much better for me. How do you usually set up in relation to your decoys? Because especially now that you're switching to archery, okay, yeah. how are you going to set up your decoys so that that focus is away from you so you can draw your bow? Yes, yeah, so I guess I will start with, you know, the last 10 years of turkey hunting and stuff, the way I would set up. And this is, I'll quickly talk about um, how I do it with a partner and then I'll more in depth just by myself. Um, the biggest thing with, with as when you're using a partner, like Tom and I hunt together a lot, what you're going to want is Turkey decoy about 30 yards out in front of like between you and the gobbler. And then the caller is going to be another 40 yards behind the shooter. So it's basically like, if you could picture this in your head, you have gobbling, like the gobbler out there that you're trying to kill however far out he is. And then you have your decoy and then about 25, 30, somewhere in there behind that is the shooter. And then another 40 behind that's the caller. And what that does is a lot of times Tom and I used to run into issues where birds would get hung up, you know, 50, 60 yards out. And it just was always a problem. Like they would get to that just at the line where you couldn't quite get a shot. Um, now with TSS, you can kind of cheat the line a little bit but even so i still like getting a bird in yeah you know getting a turkey you don't in want there. to take those 60 no shots. it's so much more fun to shoot them at 20 like yeah. to get them that close to where you can feel the gobble you can hear the feathers dragging across the leaves like there's nothing better so that's how we set up with that so it if they are going to get hung up it's too late like yeah. that 40 yards back they might be hung up at where the decoy is at yeah so it just it makes it just absolutely bulletproof in that sense. Um, but if I'm not hunting with Tom, if we're, you know, headed our separate ways, basically get rid of the collar and it's, that's the setup. I just 25, 30 yards out, put the decoy between me and where I think the bird's going to come. Uh, it fields, fields are a little bit different. I always just put the decoy out in the field. So they're easy to see regardless of where the bird's coming from. I just, I put it right out in front of me. Um, but it's going to change this year because with a bow, I need the opportunity to draw. So what my plan is this year is to set up to where the bird will actually have to kind of walk past me to get to the decoy. And if somebody's ever hunted birds and killed birds with a bow and you've tried this and it didn't work, or if you have any opinions, please reach out. But this is just from my own research and my own thoughts and how turkeys act. And just from my own experience, this is what I want to do. Uh, is just make it so the bird has to walk past me so he is... Now, if I can stay still enough to let him get by me 
without getting detected. Now he's totally focused, heading towards the decoy. I'm behind him, and his main focus is on that full strutter decoy, and he is just pissed. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that gives me the chance to draw back, and then you know once they get to the decoy, every single gobbler seems to circle the decoy, kick it a few times, mm-hmm. you know, just check it out. You know, they, they I've never seen a bird get to the point where they commit to a decoy and not, and not go, check it out. Yeah. So the plan is on his way to the decoy, I'm going to find my mark, boom, draw back and just wait for him to screw up essentially. Yeah. Um, another thing that I, I, a, a pointer that I picked up from a guy that has killed several with his bow is he said, you want to have at least two big trees to draw from. So in your setup, the way you're setting up and everything, give yourself two structures you don't have to yeah, be trees it could be a rock it could be a bush two opportunities to draw um so i'm gonna pair that with him walking away and i think that that's gonna help me a lot mm-hmm. so and carrying a bow and arrows that don't fit in my um quiver it's gonna be nice to only have one decoy yes yeah. the, the avian x ones that i use <laughs> are huge they don't collapse down like the old inflatable ones i used yeah. to use so it's it's very cumbersome to carry around when you're hunting multiple spe- sets all day yeah so tom what what is your um tactics for early season when you're using decoys early season if i'm hunting like if i'm setting up on a field edge in the morning trying to catch him come out to the field i like to bring the circus to town i bring full strut three-quarter strut feeding hen some regular hen decoys and uh, what do we have six yeah and I'll put all six of them out there. And I'll kind of pair up the gobblers with a hen and then, you know, have a couple hens standing off kind of by themselves. And I think it's not a very aggressive form of setting up decoys. It kind of just, I'm trying to imitate, you know, a flock of birds out in the field that just flew down. And- yeah. And, you know, a turkey comes out and he thinks, hey, I missed the party. I better go join in. It's not, I'm not trying to spark, you know, the bird fighting for territory or like he's going to miss out on a hen. I'm just trying to present just a normal everyday presentation kind of just pretty natural. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good term for it. Natural. Uh, and it's worked well for me and Nick. I know we doubled down one morning with that setup and the birds they those ones were jakes and they came in hot and heavy but i've had they're just as fun (laughs) yeah but we also had two jakes that came in before that we decided we weren't going to shoot and they just came in like normal joined the flock we're walking around feeding and carrying on so that's if i'm but i'm not going to do that if i'm in the woods If, if i'm hunting a field i'm bringing out the ground blind bringing out the comfortable chair and I'm going to sit there for a long time mm-hmm. and probably even a cup of coffee for you. Yeah. And if I don't get it done in the morning, then what I like to do is I'll take, I know I've never done the solo full strut decoy, which I think I'm going to try it this year. But normally what I've it's, done in the past wild. is in the woods, I use uh, one hen and one three-quarter strut Jake decoy. And if I do the setup where I'm hunting the field in the morning, 
then I just go collect all my decoys, tuck them in the ground blind, take the one or two that I want with me, and carry them down into the woods. And normally, like I said, I'll have a three-quarter strut jake and a hen, and I just put them out 25, 30 yards. And the reason I'm going to switch up to just the full strut decoy is I have not had a bird come in super aggressive. And I don't know if it's, it's pretty tough to tell the difference between a normal bird walking through the woods and when it's in three quarter strut. But there's no question when a bird's in full strut. Yeah. And every turkey knows when he sees another turkey in full strut, he's trying to impress a lady and it, it just triggers something. And that's, that, that's exactly it for me. And, and when they see they, they, that instinct kicks in, like, it's kind of like, um, if you were at the bar and your girl, you, your girlfriend was up at the bar, you were shooting pool or something and you look over and there's a guy hitting on your girlfriend. You're more worried about kicking the shit out of that guy right now than you are your girlfriend. It's like, it, it's your mm-hmm. attention's going to get drawn for the fight, most guys, is, yeah. in my experience, like you're gonna go to the guy and tell him step away from my lady. It's yeah. not gonna be like, hey, honey, we're gonna go sit somewhere else. <laughs> so, and that's I think turkeys are just that kind of way. They're just aggressive, mm-hmm. where they see a guy trying to impress a girl that he wants, and all of a sudden he doesn't care about that anymore. I'm just gonna beat the shit out of that. Yeah, and I've seen it happen many times where it, and it's it's deadly. That's and at the bar. No, not at the bar. I haven't. The bars around here that doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. Um, people just kind of stick to their thing and shoot pool, throw some darts, smoke some darts. Yeah, <laughs> tough to those beat. Are, those are the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had birds come in to my to my Jake and my hen decoy. I've shot birds over that setup, but I haven't experienced the running a gobbler running in and attacking. A decoy, which I I've always wanted to film the attacking a decoy, but once they're in range, I just can't help but just pull the trigger. Yeah, like you my just, buddy, like you don't want buddy, to wait to get the the video. Yeah, our buddy Scott, lay it down. Our buddy Scott had videos, and and I don't want to. I'll wait to bring him on to give because he's got a, a different thing he does with his decoys. Um, well, we've mentioned it before. Oh, have we? With yeah. the shepherd's hook? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He okay. talked about it on the podcast. Oh, that's right, he did. Um, yeah, he uses the shepherd's hook with a f- full strut decoy, and it just allows the bird to kind of spin around, and then when the birds hit it, it reacts a lot, and it just causes a lot of fighting. And he just sits there and films it while it's going on, where I'd just be, you know, anyways, i just start blasting. <laughs> like, that's my, like, problem. Once they get, they break in, like the bird I shot last year, he came running across the field at a full strutter, and I shot him at 45 before he, I mean, he was 20 yards from my decoy. I didn't give him the time of day. I was yeah. like, boom. <laughs> soon as, as soon as he broke the line where I knew, because like Tom and I were shooting um, 40 yards and we we're putting 200 BBs in the head. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about like the patterns are so tight with those choke tubes that mm-hmm. 45 yards is absolutely nothing with that gun. Yeah. Um, but I do want to throw a disclaimer. You got to know your gun before you start pulling shots. Like yeah. you, you need to know what your gun is capable of because your your choke, your shot, everything, all plays into. There's too many variables. You need to shoot your gun at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. See what it does, and know where you're comfortable making a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that at least 40 is 
plenty. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in an open field, that's another story too. Like if, if I was in the woods, probably wouldn't be taking that shot just because yeah. there's too many limbs and stuff when you're sitting on the ground. But in open field, I got nothing in my way. Mm-hmm. No problem. But what was your reason for switching over to the uh, decoy? Was it just mainly the aggression thing? Yeah, just seeing how well it's worked for you mm-hmm. and mix it up, see if I can't get a different reaction. Yeah. No, it's definitely it's a game changer. At least it has been for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Frank, you don't use any decoys. Nope. Um, I'm just a running gun and kind of guy. Now, is there any reason behind that or just you don't want to carry it because yep. you don't want to have carry. to move them all the time? Yeah, I, I can totally see that because – Sometimes it just gets old. I mean, Tom and I have a few times been like, all right, we're just going to pick these decoys up later. Like, we'll put them in the bags, tuck them by a log. And mm-hmm. it just, it, sometimes it just gets old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I, I totally get that. Um, but on the rare occasion that I'm hunting birds later in the year, um, I do switch up my decoy a little bit. And that's when I bring out um, the three strut or the three quarter strut Jake and then. Usually I'll do a, um, either a laying down hen. So it, it's going to either give the, typically I try to give the impression that it's getting ready to be bred. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's typically the setup I use is a laying down hen and three quarter strut Jake. And what I've noticed with that is you get later into the year, um, peak breeding is over. Um, some hens are already sitting on nests. So if you do get a hen that's submissive and still wants to be bred gobblers are going to be interested because they the peak of it's over so if there's like that you know it's like the 2 a.m at the bar you know last calls happened you know here Gotta it is seal the deal yeah. right now so i found with that setup later in the year it also attracts that aggressive response um and basically what it's portrays is you know i'm calling as the hen and i try to get um some sounds that are you know, almost distressed yelping and stuff like that. You're, you're about to be bred pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. I am a very slutty turkey caller sometimes. Just have to be You have to be, yeah. yeah. Um, like Tom says, you know, you can't just be turkey calling out there. You got to call turkeys. So This is true. You got you to gotta be on top of those sort of things. So I'm portraying that type of hen. Mm-hmm. Three-quarter strut Jake. So he's not like this big full strut. You know, he's getting ready. Like I'm coming up behind this hen here. Bird sees that seems like lights out each time they're like okay i'm on my way they know that like it's about to go down i need to get over yeah. there so it that's worked for me a couple times i think twice i've killed birds with that setup and that's and i used to i have a laying down hen decoy now but all you have to do is not put it on a stick and, and you have yourself down. a laying down decoy yeah it's the same thing that's how i did it for a long time until i bought one that was supposed to be a laid down <coughs> and you know that's i i use that setup my i don't know if uh, my dad was purposely using that is like that setup, but my, my dad used to use the Jake and hen all the time. Mm-hmm. And t- Tom grew up same way, Jake and hen all the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I've since put it on the ground and I, I can't remember where I read that. That's not like a, an original thing of mine. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember where I read it, but I just, it was one more thing where it was like, Oh, okay. Just set it on the ground. It gives that portrayed breeding about to happen mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that's always fun. A little bit more decoys to carry, but I'm a firm believer if you like using decoys, if you like, I think if you have kids hunting with you or people that 
have a hard time sitting still. Decoys give you just a little bit more of an edge, mm-hmm. gives them something to look at. I was going to say that's a like, big one is just giving you something to look at. Like you look I, out there and there's something out there, even though it's not an animal, it's yeah. something to well, look and at. Tom, I know, I'm sure grandpa and dad did it with you, but I don't know how many times I, you know, pulled, shouldered my gun on a decoy head, mm-hmm. you know, because like shoot, shooting, a, shooting a paper um, at 30 yards off the corner of the barn you know, that's great for patterning and everything, but until you get in the woods and put your gun on like the head of a turkey, which, you know, may not happen every single year or every day, mm-hmm. it's tough to really portray that shot because those papers aren't ever really super accurate to scale unless you buy them in the store and stuff. But Tom mm-hmm. and I just started printing them off the internet. Yeah. I mean, it gives you a good enough idea. Um, so putting, you know, if you have a kid next to you that's never shot a bird or if you've never shot a bird, you know, you know that decoy is out there at 25, 30 yards. Hopefully you walked it off. You can sit there and put your beat on it and know exactly what that looks like at 30 yards. So your first time isn't on a turkey that's bobbing its head mm-hmm. and strutting and spinning because turkeys don't sit still for very long ever. They're like coyotes. They just constantly are moving, spinning, heads always bobbing. And I guess I read somewhere the other day that the reason that their head's constantly moving like that is so that basically the way that their eyes are on their head is it they can almost see 360 with the way that their eyes are. Mm-hmm. But that slight bob that they're constantly doing, that makes up the 360. Mm-hmm. So like when they're moving their head like that, when they're walking and stuff, they're essentially being able to see pretty much all the Everything. way around them. So that's why you got to be so careful with turkeys. And that's why decoys help take the focus off of you. One thing I want to mention with the decoys is if I'm doing, I always have a decoy with me, but if I'm doing like a, a run and gun style where I'm mm-hmm. carrying my decoy on the back and I'm walking 150, 200 yards, stopping, calling if I don't hear anything, moving again. Um, but one thing I do is when I get a bird to answer doing that style of hunting where I know, okay, the bird is that direction and he's going to be coming this way. I never put my decoy perfectly in line with me and where that bird's going to come from. Because if that bird's coming from, you know, where you know he's going to come from, and he's That's looking really straight point. at the decoy, and you are straight behind that, well, if you move, you're in that turkey's direct field of vision. Mm, so I'll, that's off, a good point. I'll offset it 5, 10 yards just to give yourself a little bit of leeway because you won't be in that direct line of sight. I mean, if you're moving a lot, he's going to pick you out. But you can get away with scratching your nose with like with your bottom lip or something. Yeah, or adjusting the gun on your knee. Um, yeah. Where if you're if that turkey is straight in front of you, looking directly at you, you you're not going to be able to swing your gun. You're not going to be able to prop your knee up. You're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah, or if you've got one of them calls on the end of your gun, forget about using that. Yeah. So that's a good point that we didn't bring up. Glad you said that because that's huge for my setups too. I never, you don't want it a perfect line. Um, it's easy to say, you know, just put them out in front of you, but you you are purposefully wanting to offset them. So now, if you have no idea, if you're just setting up a decoy and blind calling, well, then you really have no idea. But another thing you can do is if you've been sitting there for, you know, twenty minutes calling every five minutes, and you get a bird to answer. And he is straight in line with you and your decoys 300 yards away. Well, you have time to bump one or two trees over to create that offset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, another thing too that helps if you're in really thick cover, putting your decoy, you know, kind of where you know that you have a clear shot. So that way it gives you that because like when you're standing looking, you know, when you're standing up and you put your decoy out, sometimes it's deceiving, you know, what's at ground level while you're, you know, setting everything up. You go to sit down, it's like, oh shoot, you know, I can't really see anything. So sometimes you don't really know what tree you're going to be on until your decoy is set up. And Tom and I have done this many times where the decoy gets set up and then all of a sudden you're bouncing like two, three, four trees trying to get like you want. I like personally to have an angle where I can clearly shoot my decoy because ultimately the bird's going to end up there. So if, if the decoy is a clear shot, I know that my bird's going to be a clear shot because I don't like shooting through things i've i know personal people personally where wads have hit branches and who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. wipe out a whole flock yeah so it's just you got to be careful watch that kind of thing that's why field edges are fun because you don't have to worry about that but in the timber especially freshly logged areas like a lot of sp- stuff we hunt it's there's just so much ground cover mm-hmm. it's just tough you know you don't think about it you know when you're in a tree stand but every little sapling can get in your way you know yeah. your own your gun is what two foot off the ground when you're sitting if yeah. that so everything is in your way mm-hmm. so that's important but that's pretty much all i got on decoys um just didn't you want to ask me how my decoys changed? oh second half of the season yes yeah, sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> oh no it's it's fine I take a little bit different approach, and I drop the gobbler and just go hen only. Why is that, Tom? Why why would you drop the gobbler? Because typically there's only one or two dominant birds in the area. There could be multiple longbeards, but really just one or two dominants. And I'm not out there trying to kill the most dominant gobbler. I'm out there trying to kill a gobbler with a with a big old beard. Yeah. Doesn't care. You don't care about his personality. No, no. I just, you're just want... about his look. You're all about looks. Yeah, nothing about personality. Beard wow, that says first. a lot about you as a person, Tom. So there's a lot of gobblers that are tired of getting their ass kicked all spring long, and by the end of the season, they hear a hen. They start coming in. They see a gobbler with her, and he's like, you know what? This ain't worth it. I've got my ass kicked twice already this week not not doing it again and they turn around and walk off Mm -hmm. and they gobble their heads off the entire time saying hey all that false uh, hope yeah i'm I'm, leaving just so you know i'm over here if if you decide you want to come over here yeah that's a good point and i've seen that happen too where it seems like as soon as you can see the bird where they see the decoy it just seems like they're just not nearly as interested anymore yeah so So that's a good i just go lone hen sometimes i do two hens just to really spice things up. See if they're you know, into that freaky stuff. Yeah. And it's worked. I I mean, I don't have the track record as Nick, but I've I've killed some gobblers in my day. So. Yeah, it'll be fun. I know you and I are going to do a lot of hunting together this year, um, which I'm excited for. It's all like turkey hunting, I think, is so much more effective with two guys just because you have that dynamic to back a collar off. And, you know, and it's, and you can both call at the same time. Yeah. Like there's because, well, and sometimes I don't know what it is, but you could have the sweetest, sexiest sounding call. Some days the birds just aren't interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tom and I 
it's gone both ways where, you know, I'm calling and we're just not getting anything. And then Tom goes, calls, and then, bam, hammers. It's like, well, you know, it just a slight pitch difference. And yeah. that's enough to fire them up. And, you know, these birds might be 150 yards out. Never would say a word to me, you know. I was like the buck-toothed girl at the end of the bar. Who knows? Like, I don't know. It was just, they was just coming off weird vibes. But, uh. It's like that video I sent you the other day. Yeah. I don't know if I sent it to you. But I don't know. Tell them about it. You remember on, was it 22 Jump Street? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You Jeff. did Jeff. My name's Jeff. There was a video of, uh, a hen, and it said, uh what I think I'm saying when I'm calling turkeys and it's like, Hey, I'm over here. Come on over if you feel like it. And it's what I'm actually saying. My name's Jen. <laughs> I saw another one was uh, like what, what I think I sound like versus what I actually sound like. And it was what I, or what I think I sound like. And it's like Michael Waddell just chirping away on a call. And he's really, obviously really good at turkey yeah. calling. And then it was like what I actually sound like. And it was like Theo Vaughn choking on a turkey call. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes I thought that's another thing when you're hunting with somebody else and you get that first, you got a dry mouth call oh. that like where the reeds are stuck together and you go to let out that first yelp of the morning and it yeah. just squeals. Yeah. You just look over at each other like, mm. hoping to get a shot gobble off of that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, what, who's the, uh, the monster from monsters, Inc. The blue one. Sully. Sully. When he, mm. <laughs> like that's literally that's the look i give tom when, when i yeah i so dry mouth calls where the reeds are stuck together they are it's horrible tough. you gotta you gotta warm that's them why up. i always as, as soon as i get I out of the truck down, yeah. uh, i get as soon as i get out of the truck i put them in yeah like moisten them up yeah so i think that's a good place to end it <laughs> <laughs> yeah moisten up your turkey calls thanks again for listening we love you get outside <laughs>